Right. I, I was working with somebody recently and her family really does treat her horribly. And yet she was saying she felt very strongly that she should do holidays with the family. And I said, why? And she said, well, she remembered having lots of good memories as a child about family functions. And she didn't want to deny her own children that. So, you know, I felt that that was an important value for her. This week, a listener writes in to tell us that there is family abuse going on, but the rest of the family members do not want to hear it and wonders what to do. Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. Okay, here's the deal. I love wine. I know a little bit about wine, but I'm not an expert. But you know who is? Our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting. We have been working together for five years now, and I can honestly say that they have delivered to my door some of the best wines I have ever had. We started working with them so that we could deliver to you an ongoing reminder, a treat, to slow down with your spouse and enjoy each other's company and to reconnect. To help facilitate, with each shipment, we provide simple date night ideas, and Touring and Tasting shares background information on the wineries and includes recipes that will pair well with your wines. I should note that many of these wines are typically only available if you actually visit the winery or become a member of that wine club. The customer service from Touring and Tasting is ridiculous. I have a friend who joined and then called me to rave about how enjoyable their customer service experience was. That's unheard of, right? So here's the deal. There are no membership fees. Shipping is free. You can cancel at any time, and these unique award-winning wines come with 100% satisfaction guaranteed, which means they guarantee the wine is delicious or they will replace it free upon request. If you decide the wine you just had was amazing and you want to reorder, you can save up to 70% off of retail. Now here's the closer. If you sign up today, you will receive your first shipment for half price. You can join right now and get your first shipment for a flat fee of $49 plus tax. This is before the half price offer. So your pre-taxed first shipment is less than $25 for two amazing bottles of wine. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join today. Gift options are also available Ahem, wedding season around the corner. And again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join in celebrating your marriage. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hey, Steve. So Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I've done this so many times. I thought I could just uh, uh, memorize it. Karen is the author of Mindfulness in the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can get this information and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. 
today, Karen, we are going to talk about um, family abuse and, in particular, informing other family members of abuse. Uh, I had a uh, reader contact me about a situation where they were abused by their stepfather as a child. Um, this person is now grown up, uh, and they have personally dealt with the abuse. However, uh, they are struggling with other family members in regard to this abuse. Um, the reader has siblings and, uh, they went to inform them of the abuse that they suffered to protect uh, their nieces and nephews. Um, But the siblings essentially responded by just shutting down and shutting them down and lashing out. Mm -hmm. Should this reader keep trying to reach their sibling? Because they're doing this uh, for protection of their own kids. Well, it's a tough one. You know, if somebody shuts you down, you can't force it. Um, My guess is that they're shutting them down because it's a difficult subject for them. Uh, They may have been abused as well, and they don't want to deal with it. Um, A lot of times, excuse me, people are abused, and they have actually pushed it out of their memory. So... Uh, they, you know, it's a protective device and they don't want to deal with it at all. Um, I think it's certainly worth trying again, but you can't force somebody to deal with something that they don't want to. Um, even in my own practice, when I suspect somebody has been abused and I raise it, if they say, oh no, absolutely not, I leave it alone because Mm. if somebody's not ready to deal with it, they're not ready to deal with it. Okay. In, I mean, that's okay. So I get all that and I don't know the particulars of this situation, but I'm going to play, I'm going to try to like play out a couple different scenarios and you can let me know if, if this changes things. Um, okay. So one is, let's say that the, the, the reader, um, it's the reader's stepfather, but maybe it's the biological father of their sibling. Mm -hmm. Does that change anything in like how they respond? I, I think really it's the same answer. And especially if it's the, you know, I mean, if it's the stepfather, it's possible that the stepfather was abusive to the stepchild, but wasn't with the biological children. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biological children don't want to hear that about their father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons people shut down. They could have been abused. They could have had a different experience. You know, they may be... Um, have different feelings about their step sibling. Um, so there could be lots of reasons. But again, if somebody says, I don't want to talk about this, I don't want to discuss this, you know, for whatever reason, you can't force it on somebody. Yeah. So, you know, the best you could do is say, you know, I'm not meaning any harm. My comments are coming out of concern. And I just want you to be aware of this because um, you might want to be cautious when your children are around dad. Okay. Uh, and, and the other scenario I'm going to throw at you is gender and if that plays a role. So, for example, if let's say the victim was a woman and the siblings are men, mm-hmm. do you find that changes anything? 
Probably, but not necessarily. Okay. I mean, um, somebody can be abusive. And by the way, abuse does not have to necessarily... People a lot of times think, oh, abuse means that there's, you know... Um, intercourse or that there's, you know, very um, a high degree of molestation. Abuse can even be um, inappropriate comments Mm. um, or, you know, the passing of boundaries that would be appropriate for an adult-child relationship. Got it. So, um, I think a lot of people make the mistake, you know, oh, he would never do anything like that. But it could be something where the child is made to feel uncomfortable because somebody in an authority role is functioning in a way that is making them have yucky feelings. Yeah. And and getting back to this um, woman-man thing, uh, I I guess because there has been so much – uh, gender, I don't even know how to properly phrase this, like gender identity, um, Mm. uh, recognition going on in society of, uh, women, uh, standing up for their rights and equality and different things of that nature. Um, but then you have people who are resistant to it in some way or dismissive of it or, they just can't empathize with it mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I see I, – I, honestly, like a day doesn't go by where I see an article in a business publication where a female worker and a male worker switch like email accounts for a day and mm. the woman just like, I've never had an easier work day in my life because mm. people just treat them with respect and don't yes. like mess yeah. around. And then with the – and the, the male coworkers just like, this is so awful. I posted a story and you would not believe the comments I got. I don't know how they get out of bed in the morning. Mm. So do you think this, like, is like, does that, do you, I don't know. I don't know where I'm getting. I, I just feel like, do you think men just have a harder time empathizing or understanding or wrecking? Like, do we have a hard time getting our own shit together, I guess? I think that in general, women are, have a greater capacity for empathy. We know that. Um, They have a better pulse on relationships. Uh, I think that men um, are, are, this is going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but stick with me for a moment. Men are more sensitive. In other words, they react more quickly to things that are painful or difficult. And so when, when something is upsetting, what they do is uh, they either, uh, deflect it in anger or, you know, um, pushing it away or they shut down Mm -hmm. because they are more sensitive. In other words, it bothers them more. Um, women have a greater capacity for dealing with things, which is why they can also be more empathic. So, um, and a man can also compartmentalize so he can shut something down. He Mm -hmm. can just, you know, shift and move away. Um, and so when, when a man is told or informed that such and such has happened and it's upsetting very often, he'll say, oh, please don't be silly that it's not such a big deal. And I think part of that is because he really can't deal with it because it's so upsetting. And now we've talked about this in the past. Is it because like men 
uh, when you say men are sensitive, they, uh, and I think this is something that happens that or at least this is something that has been mentioned in the past where they will internalize it and po- kind of bury it to your compartmentalizing aspect of it. Is that, is that what they do? Um, I don't know that they internalize it and bury it. I think that what they do is, as I said, they deflect it. In other words, very often what women will get back from men is either an angry response, which is the deflection, mm-hmm. or shutting down, that they don't take it in at all. Got it. Okay. 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 Um, moving on. Yes. Uh, it, <laughs> uh, um, if... Uh, so let's say that you have this family where you have two siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, if one of them, let's say, is receptive to the information that you're sharing with them, mm-hmm. should you attempt to get them involved and get them on your side to talk with the 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 one person who isn't? I certainly you can try to do that again. If the person isn't receptive, they aren't receptive. But, you know, sure, why not? Um, You know, especially if um, you have different styles. Maybe one's approach is a little bit different and will be better received. Or maybe um, the relationship between the other sibling um, is a little bit uh, closer to the one who's not receptive. And so they would, again, would be better received, but sure. Why not? Okay. And what, how about if, um, let's say that your sibling is receptive, but their significant other is not. Do you then (sighs) walk away and say like, well, my sibling knows it's their thing to deal with their significant other, not me. I'm, I'm so, but is you, the significant other in the in the biological family, or is the significant other just married? No, 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 no. So let's say you have your sibling. Okay. Okay, and they're married to somebody. Okay. And so you tell your brother or sister, "Hey, this happened to me. I'm afraid mm-hmm. for your kids." Mm-hmm. Uh, but their spouse is like, "Nope, don't want to hear it." Mm-hmm. Why would you say something like that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I think the attitude then has to be that the onus or the responsibility falls on the one who is receptive to just take more precautions with your children, with the, you know, with the ones we're trying to protect. And, And the attitude should be, look, you know, maybe this did happen, maybe it didn't happen, but I would rather err on the side of caution. And so... You know, maybe, you know, you don't want to hear it, but I would rather be more cautious. Yeah. And and I'm guessing this might be also a situation where the your sibling's spouse or significant other isn't receptive because it might cut too close to the bone for them. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, OK, so then what should uh, the reader do? If they're mm-hmm. generally worried about their nieces and or nephews um, and they aren't getting any kind of response from their parents. Well, you know, I don't know what the involvement is and, and you know, how often they all get together. 
you know, they can try in some way to protect their nieces and nephews. It also depends on how old they are, whatever. I mean, I think that there can be a general statement, which is what we do with all children at this point, which is, you know, if something feels yucky or if something doesn't feel good to you, you know, it's okay to speak up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they can bring that up in a conversation, but it would have to be done carefully because the parents might say, you know, who are you to come in and educate my children? So it would have to be brought up in a careful kind of way. Um, But, you know, the other thing is, let's say you're at a family gathering. Mm -hmm. You might make sure that the children are not alone with grandpa. You stay in the room when grandpa's in the room. So you could do it, you know, that way. But there there may be limitations as to how much you can protect them, which would really, really be very sad. But, yeah, you know, you just, you know, there's just so much somebody can do if um, the people who are truly responsible for the nieces and nephews aren't willing to, you know, really yeah. hear what's going on. I, uh, so I was out and about yesterday and I uh, saw a bunch of kids coming home from school. And mm-hmm. it was it was it was interesting to me because, as we know, uh, if anybody's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, I do not have kids, and so I get to look at the world um, from this like bird's eye view sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, where half of the kids were on uh, smartphones on their way mm-hmm. home from school, and I thought mm-hmm. that was like really interesting. Um, and I again in this situation, I don't know how young the the nieces and nephews are, for example. Mm-hmm. Would it be appropriate if you inform your niece or nephew, like, hey, uh, if you ever want to talk, you know, feel free to give me a call or text me or something if they are of an age where they have a smartphone or something like that, where it's, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out this very specific thing because it's, it's private, you know, it's not. Well, again, I think that if you go in and say something that focused and that specific, the parents who are unwilling to hear this information might object. Mm -hmm. I think if you make yourself available and let's say start calling the kid and have a relationship and then the kid knows that you're somebody that's available and approachable, you've opened that doorway. So, you know, at that point, you can say, you know, I'm always around. You can always call me. Whatever. You know, you can, yeah. you can start to promote that kind of a relationship so that the person, so that the child feels like they can reach out to you. Got it. So the safe bet is really to just build a relationship in yes. general. Got it. Yes. Okay. Um, so in this scenario, the reader said that they have simply stopped talking to one of their siblings uh, because they were lashing out at them with this information. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, cutting off communication with their own sibling is the healthy thing for them to do at this stage since they have made the attempt? Well, you know, I think that that in general, making the decision to cut off from a family member is always a difficult decision. And, you know, again, I've said on the podcast, if for those people who've been listening for a long time, um, I cut off from my uh, father because my father was so toxic. But it came with a lot of difficulty, and it, it really came after he had done something that was just unbelievably outrageous. Um, and it's not something that I uh, advocate nor 
um, promote with my clients because it's a very harsh measure. That being said, I do think that there are times where it's a necessary step. Now, nobody should be disrespected. Nobody should feel threatened, which is what happened in my case. Nobody should feel threatened by a family member. And in some cases, it's a necessary step. Um, However, if the sibling uh, is lashing out, and again, it may very well be if that's the kind of harsh response that is um, being triggered, it may really be a defensive one. You might decide that my relationship with my sibling is so important that I'm just not going to discuss this area, Mm. um, but I'm not going to cut off from the person. So you have to look at the whole picture as to what your relationship is, what else you're getting from the relationship. Um, You know, do you want to lose the entire relationship because of this one area? Mm -hmm. I guess this transitions into my final question for you, which is at what point do you look at a situation and decide, you know what, I need to take care of myself first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, going back to the beginning of this episode, this person was the victim of abuse in some manner, Mm -hmm. and they're now trying to protect other people. But the deeper they, the more they try to help other people, they become get the the abuse starts bouncing back at them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people are lashing out at them. So at what point do you step back and say, you know what, I need to take care of myself. I've made my attempt. Um, I need to put my, the, you know, the health of myself and my own family ahead of trying to help other people. Well, I think it's always important to be self-respecting. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful quality to put yourself out there for other people. I would never say don't do that, but you are included in in uh, taking care of people. You should not not be concerned about your own welfare. And you have to decide at what point people are not only being disrespectful but abusive of you. When it reaches that point, then I think it's fair game to cut off. Um, you know, it's almost like my criteria for dealing with couples. A lot of therapists will say if there is um, affairs, addictions, or abuse, they will tell the couple that they should not be uh, married any further. In my uh, thinking, the only time that I say a marriage should end is when there's abuse. Mm-hmm. I think the other two can absolutely be worked on depending on you know certain circumstances. So I think when there is abuse, um, when you are the uh, subject of the abuse, that that may be a very good reason to say this is too toxic and I am you know no longer going to put myself in that situation. Now, there's lots of ways to withdraw from that. It doesn't necessarily have to be where you totally cut off. You could limit uh, your interactions. You could, you know, you could say, I'm only going to interact with this person when we have big family functions, you know, weddings or 
um, major celebrations or whatever, and I'm going to be uh, civil to this person when I see them, mm-hmm. but not get together, you know, for small gatherings or not invite them to, you know, my home, you know, just to get together. So you can decide the degree of pulling back from the relationship as well, as opposed to totally having nothing to do with the person. Yeah. I guess that's a tough thing with family, uh, extended family related issues is the fact that it is family and there will be holidays and reunions and gatherings and weddings and, uh, you know, baby showers. There's just such a variety of things where, uh, your attendance is, you know, most likely expected. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've, you don't get to choose that like you do with some friends that you right. can cut off more easily. Right. I, I was working with somebody recently and her family really does treat her horribly. And yet she was saying she felt very strongly that she should do holidays with the family. And I said, why? And she said, well, she remembered having lots of good memories as a child about family functions and she didn't want to deny her own children that. So you know, I felt that that was an important value for her Mm. um, and an important value. And so we talked instead about tools that she could use to help protect herself when she's in this situation so that she could sort of insulate herself and not feel, you know, as um, harmed by the manner in which her family behaved. Yeah. That's actually a really great point because you you don't want the cycle uh, to continue to trickle down through the generations mm-hmm. if it's not necessary, right? So if you have some older generation people who are beefing, you don't want that to um, taint the, the the younger generation because all of a sudden they're like, well, why isn't aunt and uncle so-and-so here? Well, you know, and then the rumors start and then all of a sudden they're the ostracized family members and it, it can really poison the well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, and, that's and a great point. You said you're setting up a bad role model, also. You know, because if you act a certain way to your extended family, that's what the children see, and eventually the children may do the same to you. Mm, that's a great point. Excellent. Uh, speaking of which, do you have any final points that you? Well, no, no, that was my final. Okay, points. no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was excellent, Karen. Um, you know, we don't do, a, you know, we 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 try to be serious in this ep- in this podcast. Um, and you know, sometimes, uh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think this was helpful for those who need this information. So, um, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. And for the reader out there who uh, uh, wrote in to us, uh, I hope this was helpful. If you have any further questions or follow-up, please let us know. Uh, With that, we can actually be reached on our website, hitchedmag.com. You can go to the podcast page and email us directly from the podcast page. Uh, You can get in touch on the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the big ones. Um, But of course, you can find Karen at her website, drkarensherman.com. Again, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, And by the way, you can, so of course those books are at her website, links to them are at her website, you can find them on Amazon, 
Um, we also have a bookstore on hitchedmag.com uh, on our homepage. There's a bookstore link, and we put all the books from our regular contributors in there. And sometimes we have you know special guests on the podcast. We will put them in there as well. Uh, so if there's somebody uh, or a book that you uh, remembered hearing on the show or you've been listening to Karen for all these years and you want to purchase her book, uh, go ahead and, and, and seek it out. The information is readily available. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it, everybody. Take care.